All right, imagine with me, you've got two letters in two envelopes, both placed in the mail. First letter, pristine, well-typed, well-written, got a beautiful uh, place on the, on the top, the letterhead's pristine, placed in this envelope that's like perfect, beautiful handwritten uh, on the front of it. And it's got one of those fancy like stamp things on the back that have the initials on it that someone saw on Pinterest. You know what I'm talking about? And then it's placed in the mail, no stamp. Second letter, handwritten, sloppy, chicken scratch, poorly written, not good grammar, placed in an envelope that's kind of wrinkled and dirty. It's got some uh, ketchup stains on it from whoever filled it out. They were doing it during lunch and spilled some ketchup on it with their French fries and no, no, uh, no, 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 no stamp on it, just somebody licked the back of it and put it together, wrote out the, the address, put a stamp on it, put it in the mail. Simple question, which one's gonna arrive? And you know the answer, it's the one that has the stamp on it, right? And we've been talking about Abraham, talking about his life, talking about his family, talking about his journey of faith. And, and what we've seen throughout this journey is the importance of faith for every single person who seeks to follow after God. And if, if, if I could just say to you this way, just to kind of aid understanding, listen to me, faith is the stamp that puts you in a place that you have access to God. And here's what happens. There are a lot of people in the world today that, that, that try to present themselves like a pristine, perfectly written letter in a beautiful, pristine envelope with a fancy like stamp on it and all the rest. And they, 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 they try to get to God through like what they're presenting, what they're bringing to the table and, you know, their good works or um, their, their obedience or, 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 or their beliefs. So there's just, there's, there's a lot resting on them. And, and the problem is you can't get to God without a stamp. And the stamp is faith. And then there's a whole host of other people who, you know, some of us are kind of uh, tired at times and weary and we know we're not perfect and we're kind of like that envelope with a ketchup stain on it and a letter that's poorly written at times, but it's, but it's got a stamp on it. And the stamp ensures delivery. <laughs> and, and if I could just kind of press into that analogy as simple as it is, just to reinforce what we're seeing in Abraham's life, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And faith is the engine by which we gain access to God and we serve God and we honor God and we glorify God. Here's what the author of Hebrews says. Okay, let me just take you to the author of Hebrews here, looking back on some of our great heroes. Here's what he says. It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and he rewards those who sincerely seek him. And so... So here, here, here's my encouragement to you today, to, to be a man or woman that's committed to growing in your faith. As imperfect as it is at times, as ketchup stained as it is at times, as poorly written as it is at times, keep persevering in faith 
Because a life lived with faith is a life that pleases God. And when you live by faith, you live with a certain dependency upon God and he's honored in that, he's pleased with that. And here's what God's doing in your life. Here's what we've seen in Abraham's life. He's actually working in your life in such a way that he's ensuring you don't forget the stamp. And he's going to work in your life in such a way that you don't forget that stamp. He's going to work in your life in such a way that if you're a follower of Jesus, he's going to cultivate circumstances and situations that require you to lean into him with more and more and more faith. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. You say, well, how do I know that that's how God's at work in my life? Because that's how God has been at work in the lives of his children from day one. When God said to Adam and Eve, do not eat of the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. That was a test of their faith. Do they trust God enough to obey? And we've seen it all throughout Abraham's life. God testing him over and over and over again as a means of growing his faith and ensuring that Abraham is living a life of faith. Not a life of self-dependence, not a life of self-righteousness, not a life that leans into his own understanding, to quote the Proverbs, or a, a life that leans into his own wisdom. No, listen, the life best lived is a life lived in faith. Leaning into the grace the goodness, the faithfulness, the wisdom, the power of God. And I know you want that in your life. I certainly want that in my life. And so, so let me remind you what we've seen in this series, that a growing faith is a tested faith. A growing faith is a tested faith. And I don't know if I were asked you today, do you want your faith to grow? You say, absolutely, I'm working on a growing faith. Well, just remember, one of the ways God grows our faith is he tests it. And as he's testing your faith, he's increasing your faith and he's moving you to more and more and more living your life with that stamp on the envelope, ensuring that you're not leaning into your wisdom, you're not trying to solve every problem yourself, you're not forgetting his faithfulness, you're not forgetting his promises. No, you're living your life in such a way that he is at the center and his word is your foundation. Now, this is what God's doing in Abraham's life. And no doubt the circumstances are unique and no doubt God is, God is doing something profound with Abraham. But, but we, we see actually later in human history how Abraham serves as an example for us of what it looks like to grow in faith. And here today, looking now toward the end of his life, we're coming to the end of this, of this journey of looking at Abraham's life and story, what we see is he's tested yet again because there is a major unfulfilled promise in Abraham's life. And no doubt it's the cause of much concern. You see, God told Abraham from day one, I'm going to raise you up. I want you to leave your homeland, leave your family. I'm going to raise you up as you leave, as you live by faith. And I'm going to take you to a place and settle you there, establish a land, establish a country where, where I will bless you and I will bless your descendants. And speaking of your descendants, I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to give you a promised heir. And through that son, I'm going to raise up a generation of people, a nation that will become a blessing to all the other nations on the face of the earth. So Abraham is told by the Lord that he's going to have land, he's going to have family. But as we move toward the end of his life, he really doesn't have either. He's living in a tent, not a three-bedroom house, and he's now approaching, are you ready for this, 
100 years old, and he still doesn't have a son with Sarah, his wife. And so here's what happens. At almost 100 years old, Abraham's in his tent, comes outside, hanging out outside of his tent. Three visitors come down the road. Abraham immediately recognizes these are not ordinary visitors. This is, as I will show you, a pre-incarnate visitation of Jesus. We call it a Christophany. This is the Lord appearing to Abraham with two of his angelic hosts. Abraham immediately recognizes these are not ordinary people. And so he approaches them and offers to care for them on their journey to provide lunch for them. And so he goes to Sarah and says, hey, let's prepare food. So they have this nice lunch with their three visitors. And after lunch, Abraham is outside the tent talking with these visitors. And the Lord reminds Abraham, the same Lord who called Abraham to go, the same Lord who's come to him several other times and reminded him of his promises, says one more time to him, I'm coming back in a year and you're going to have that son, I promised you. We're now within a 12-month window, you're going to have that son. He said, I'm coming back, mark your calendar. And the next time I see you in person, you're going to have that son. 99 years old, Sarah's 89 years old, the Lord says to him one last time, you're going to have that son and the days, the days are short. Sarah overhears the conversation from inside the tent. Maybe she had her ear posted to the um, <laughs> towel draped over the entrance, okay. And, and she overhears this conversation, which would not have been hard to overhear. And let me show you. What happens? Genesis 18, 11, Abraham and Sarah were both very old at this time and Sarah was long past the age of having children. And so listen, when she heard this, she laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure? Especially when my master, my husband is also so old. <laughs> I love that. I love how she throws Abraham under the bus, beautiful. He's almost 100, she's almost 90. Can I keep it real with you guys? All right, can I keep it real? Sarah is post-menopause. I've never said that in church before. I thought I'd give it a shot. <laughs> she's post-menopause. If you don't know what that means, email our lead worship pastor, Jason Mill, jason.millsaps at bellshoals.com, all right? That's been consistent throughout this series, you guys, all right? She's post-menopause. He's just old. <laughs> now, she's going to live to almost 140, but I mean, I just want you to understand what the text is communicating here. Like when she says her body's worn out, she's talking about he's old. Like she's post-menopause, he's almost 100. Listen to me, it is physically impossible for them to have a child together. That's what she's saying. That's why she's laughing. That's why she's really scoffing. That's why she's laughing with unbelief because time has expired on this promise being fulfilled. Okay, you understand where we're coming from here. This is legit, real life now. She's 
90 and it ain't going to happen. And she's resolved in her mind that it's not going to happen. But yet there's this visitor talking with her husband who says, I'm actually going to be coming back a year from now and you're going to have this baby. And she is saying, this ain't going to happen. Okay, so then look what happens here. So the Lord, of course, overhears Sarah laughing under her breath and saying to herself, like, my body's worn out and my husband is old. And so the Lord says this to Abraham. He says, um, excuse me, why did Sarah laugh? And why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? And if I'm Abraham, I'm saying, <clears throat> uh, well, Lord, because she old. I mean, what are you, why are you asking me why did she say it? She said it because it's true. She's old, man. I'm, I'm older. But the Lord is like, why would she laugh? Why would she say she can't have a baby? And then look at this. Oh, I love this. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And when you, I just kind of sense a little bit of like, mm, here you go. I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. And Sarah hears this as she's leaning into the tent, <laughs> eavesdropping. And look at this, she was afraid. And so she does what every single human being has done who's ever been confronted by God for their sin. She denies it. Well, I didn't, I, I didn't laugh. And the Lord said, no, you did. And we may ask the question, well, the question that the Lord asked Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why would Sarah say that she can't have a baby in her old age, post-menopause? And the answer at a human level would be, well, because she's old. That's not the real answer. You know what the true answer is? Her God wasn't big enough. You know what the real answer is? Sarah lost faith in the supernatural power of God to keep his promises. That's the answer. And this happened over time. This happened over the course of several decades. She and Abraham started out young with hope. They started out with expectation. Oh man, God's gonna lead us to this promised land and God's gonna give us this promised son, this son of the promise. And over the years, they had all these challenges going down to Egypt and her coming to the conclusion that because of her barrenness, which by the way, early in life, she couldn't have any children. And so therefore she offers her handmaiden, her, her servant girl, Hagar, to, to Abraham. And he actually sleeps with her. And they've been through all these ups and downs. And at this point in her life, now she is physically, literally unable to have a child. And, and now she's already come to the conclusion that it's just never going to happen. And somewhere along the way, she lost faith in the supernatural power of God to do what he promised to do. That's why she laughed. You say, well, what do we learn from Sarah? And what do we learn from Abraham in these types of situations? Well, simply put, a big faith requires a big God. 
A big faith requires a big God. And here's my challenge to you today as you think about growing in your faith and living a life of meaning and purpose, a life that makes a difference, right? Here's my advice to you. Stop focusing primarily on your faith and start focusing on the power and the majesty and the glory of your God. And when you start focusing on your God and you start focusing on how big he is, how faithful he is, how good he is, how powerful he is, how wise he is, then the faith will follow. Stop trying to solve all of your problems in your own way as your primary course of action and lean in to the word and the will of God first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these other things will be added unto you. Ironically, the key to growing in your faith is to focus less on your faith and more on the greatness and the glory of your God. Somewhere along the way, and I totally get it, I'm not criticizing Sarah for this, Somewhere along the way, she forgot that. Somewhere along the way, she lost faith in the supernatural power of God to keep his promises. Now, why did she do that? Well, let me kind of apply it to us. Because we're, we're with Sarah in this. <laughs> she's, she's not the only one in human history who's ever doubted God's supernatural power to keep his promises. Listen, let, 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 me, let, me, let me say it this way. First thing, write this down. Our lack of faith is often the result of problems with God's promises. You say, well, why would she lose faith? Well, there were problems. There were two massive problems with God's promise. Now, let me be clear here, because I don't want someone to clip this and then put it on a blog and accuse me of heresy here, okay? <laughs> I'm not talking about any internal problems with God's promises. I'm talking about the external problems, the circumstantial problems. I'm talking about the problems in which God's promises are often set. And I don't know if you've ever noticed this in life, but there are times when we encounter problems with God's promises. Let me give you an example with Sarah. There were two major problems. The first problem with God's promise is that she is barren. She is unable to have a child of her own early in life. God says you're going to have a child. Guess what she realizes early in life? She can't have children. Her womb is barren. Second problem, we've just seen it today. She's old. Like every other human in history, she's grown old. She's reached a place physically where her body has changed, her hormones have changed, right? And, and she's going to physically be unable to have a child. It's no longer about the barrenness of the womb. Now it's about her age and inability physically to have a child. And so there are two massive problems with God's promise. So here is Sarah and Abraham early in life trying to navigate the first problem. God says repeatedly, you're going to have a son. You're going to have a son. You're going to have a son. You're going to have a son together. The promised son will not be with Hagar. The promised son will not be with anybody else. The promised son's going to come with Sarah. All through their lives together from day one, God's reiterated this promise. But they struggled. Why? Because, as is often the case, there are problems connected to God's promises. And these problems are a test of our faith. 
Even Abraham, we see, is struggling with this dynamic, not only because of Hagar, but let me show you what happens in Genesis 17, when, again, another example where the Lord's telling Abraham, you're going to have this son. Here's what happens after this interaction. Abraham falls face down, and then, check this out, he laughed and said to himself, can a child be born to a 100-year-old man? Can Sarah, a 90-year-old woman, give birth? And I just want to caution you, this is not the same type of doubt as Sarah. Abraham is asking more of a question of how can this happen? Whereas Sarah was questioning the ability of God to do it whatsoever. But they both laugh. Isn't that interesting? They both have these moments where they're contemplating this promise. Why? Because there are some major problems connected to this promise. And they both have to navigate the problems and decide whether or not their God is big enough to keep his promise despite the problem. Now that's Sarah and Abraham. How about you and me? You know, so often our problems loom larger than God's promises. So often we have that same struggle where, man, I know God has given me a word. I know God has given me a promise. I know God's word is true. But, man, in this current situation, I just don't know if I can fully trust it. There are often problems with God's promises, not internal problems, external. Do you remember Moses? God raised him up, said, you're going to lead my people out of Slavery in Egypt. Moses excited, gung-ho. He goes stand before Pharaoh. Let my people go. Just like Charlton Heston said, right? (laughs) Oh, man, we see it. We see it in Moses' story. The discouragement after Pharaoh says, I don't think so. There was a problem with the promise. It wasn't going to be easy. It was going to require a stamp of faith. What about, what about David? God anoints David king over Israel. But he spends his early years as the anointed king, literally running for his life. There were problems with the promise. Well, what, what, what about Mary, right? To have Jesus as a virgin. A forerunner, John the Baptist, born to Elizabeth, who was barren, problems with the promise. I think even for us today, Jesus giving us a promise. You know what Jesus said to us? I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But for 2,000 years, that promise has faced a lot of problems. Suffering, persecution, threats from without, threats from within. But yet here we stand as testimonies of 2,000 years of God's promise-keeping power that sure enough, throughout all of the problems, Jesus is going to build his church. And sure enough, the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Right? (laughs) But the promise has problems. And wherever you are in life today, I want to encourage you with that. That Sarah and Abraham weren't given an easy pass. No, God's working in their lives to see if they're going to put a stamp on the envelope. Because a growing faith is a tested faith. How? Well, it's often the case that God's promises are accompanied by problems. Secondly, here's what happens then. Let me show you this progression in Sarah then. Our lack of faith leads to a loss of hope. 
So there's often problems with the promises. Those challenge our faith. We have to make the decision, well, is God big enough to keep his supernatural promises in his supernatural power? And, and in those moments maybe where we cave, in those moments where we, we waver, or in those moments where we laugh and we scoff, here's what happens. We lose hope. And Sarah's challenged by the promises. The promises loom large, the problems loom larger than God's promises. And then as a result of that, her, her lack of faith leads to a loss of hope. And listen to me. Her laughter is a covering for her unrealized hope. You ever ask the question, why does she laugh? Like, why doesn't she just shake her head? Or why doesn't she just, you know make some sarcastic statement. No, 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 she laughed. You know why she laughs? The laughter is a covering to unrealized hope. You ever laughed like that? Have you ever laughed to cover unrealized hope? That's why she laughs. Because her heart is crushed. And here are these visitors outside her tent driving the knife deeper and deeper and deeper into her heart because it ain't ever gonna happen. And here's what Proverbs 13, 12 reminds us of, that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And her laughter is a covering for unrealized hope. She, she just doesn't believe God can do it and she doesn't believe it's ever gonna happen. And you know what we learned from this? This is my experience. Listen, this is interesting. People often reject God, not because he offers too little, but because he offers too much. They think, well, no, there's no way God could forgive all of my sin. Oh, there's no way God could welcome me as a son or a daughter. Well, there's no way that God could give me his spirit to guide me in wisdom and grace and power. There's no way that God is going to fully deliver me to where I have eternal life and blessing forever and ever. And, and, and you know why people, most people reject the gospel? Not because it offers too little, because it offers too much. And, and, and they don't have the faith to believe that there's a God who has accomplished all that he has through Jesus and that he will accomplish all that is to come through the second coming and the establishment of a new heavens and a new earth. And so people actually reject the gospel in their sin, in their disobedience, because they don't believe that it's actually possible for God to do all that he has promised he will do. And in their pride, they reject it. And then, over time, that leads to a loss of hope. Listen, I don't want to delve too deeply into this, but let me just point out to you, we live in a world that's in desperate need of hope. People who have lost hope, why? Because they've lost faith or they've never had faith, never exercised faith in humility through repentance and faith in Jesus and this God who is faithful to his word and faithful to his promises. So let me just, let me just land the plane here then. then here's the last thing. Look, then, so you see the way out of this hopelessness and the way out of this lack of faith is to lean into the goodness and faithfulness of God which sustains our faith and restores our hope. Man, it's the goodness, yeah, it's the goodness and faithfulness of God that sustains our faith and restores our hope. And that's God's word to Sarah. That's his word to her. The Lord says to her right through Abraham, she's listening, is there anything too difficult for the Lord? And here's what's so cool about that. You need to write this down in your Bible. Listen, 
That word difficult, I think, is better translated and elsewhere throughout the Old Testament is most often translated wonderful. Here's what the Lord says. Is there anything too wonderful for the Lord? (laughs) It is so encouraging to know that our God is a wonder-working God. There is nothing, think of it this way, there is nothing too wonderful for the Lord. And, and so let me show you the wonder-working power of God. Okay, let, me, let me fast forward to Genesis 21. Here's what happens with Abraham and Sarah. Sure enough, I love how Moses, who wrote Genesis, included this. Look at Genesis 21.1. The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he promised. Isn't that good? He kept his word and exactly what he promised. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. And this happened at just the time God said it would. And Abraham named their son Isaac, which of course means laughter. And eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. Sarah declared, look at her testimony now. God has brought me laughter. And all who hear about this will laugh with me. Hey, Sarah, if you're listening, we still laughing. And we will laugh for all eternity at God's faithfulness to bring a son to a family who was old. And God did it this way to prove to them and to us that he has the supernatural power required to keep and fulfill his promises. And sometimes God orchestrates these types of situations just so in an extreme miraculous manner we are reminded there is nothing too wonderful for the Lord, no matter how big or small. That's why Isaiah says this, for since the world began, no ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait on him. This is the God that we serve. This is the wonder that he brings. And so we can today, despite our challenges, live with joy, live with laughter, live in faith. Put a stamp on it because we have a God who is faithful to do all that he's promised to do. Don't doubt his supernatural power. Don't doubt his timing even in our delay. Don't doubt his love for you. No, God is always right on time. Even when we think he's late, amen. And we wonder, we wonder about all that he does. Over all that he does, he is a God of wonder. And therefore, here's my encouragement to you today. You keep persevering in faith because like Sarah and Abraham, a persevering faith is, is a faith not perfectly expressed. And that's okay. Abraham had moments he struggled. Sarah had major moments she struggled and doubted. But they persevered in faith. And listen to me carefully. There's only one man who's ever lived on this earth who had perfect faith and his name was Jesus. And if you're new to church, just know anytime the pastor asks a question, the answer is probably going to be Jesus. 
Your kids come to vacation Bible school this year. I hope they come this summer. We're going to have a great week. The answer to most questions is probably going to be Jesus, okay? There's only one man who's ever lived life with perfect faith. That's Jesus, okay? You ain't Jesus. And I'm not Jesus. You know what that means? That we're going to live life with imperfect faith. Are you with me? But here's the encouragement we get from Abraham and Sarah. A faith that perseveres is a faith not perfectly expressed. And God is not looking for a perfect faith in you. He's looking for a persevering faith. You keep persevering. You keep moving forward. You keep putting a stamp on that envelope. And God will continue to prove his faithfulness to you over and over and over again. Wherever you are today, whatever you're going through, your faith's not going to be perfect. You'll have moments of doubt, moments of struggle. Do not give up. Do not grow weary in well-doing. For the Lord rewards all of those who seek him by faith. A faith knowing that the supernatural power of our God ensures the supernatural keeping of his covenant. That's why Hebrews 11 says this about Sarah. Let me give you a good word about Sarah. Want anybody leaving thinking Sarah just kind of failed? No, she didn't. Hebrews 11, 11 says this. It was by faith, imperfect faith, but persevering faith that Sarah was able to have a child though she was barren and was too old. There's the two problems I mentioned. She believed that God would keep his promise. You say, well, yeah, she didn't believe it until she was almost 90 years old. No, but she kept believing. And she persevered. And when God spoke to her at that tent that day and said, no, you will have this child. And no, you did laugh. You know what? She came to the point in her life and her faith journey. She realized, you know what? Okay, God's going to do what God says he's going to do. And Hebrews 11 says that by faith she was able to have that child. And then Abraham too who laughed, not, not so much in a scoffing manner as a, okay, well, I don't know how this is going to happen. Abraham believed. Here's what Paul says in Romans 4 about Abraham. I love this. This is absolutely profound. He said, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, kept believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And look at this. Just lean into this. In your struggle, in your hard days, in your hard moments, when you're weary and tired and, and you're hurting, you're grieving. But, but in these moments, just remember this. Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. But Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and this brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God was able to do whatever he promises. And that's why today Abraham, although imperfectly, is a hero of the faith. Because he had a faith that endured a faith that perseveres, although imperfectly expressed. And I know some of you walked in this room today with a health issue. Something you're carrying with you, something that's incurable this side of heaven, or something that you're struggling with. I just want you to know God has a promise for you. One day Jesus is going to return. He's going to break through the eastern sky. And when he does... He's going to give us a glorified body. 
that will not have disease or illness, that will not be susceptible to weakness. And one day there is coming for every single one of us a glorified body with which we will live in perfect peace and joy and health with King Jesus forever. This life, this world is not where our hope is tied, right? Amen? You know, there is a day coming. Some of you walked in the room today with some measure of grief or loss. And I want you to know God has a promise for you that there's a day coming when he will personally wipe every tear from your eye. And there will be no more death, no more loss, no more suffering. The Lord cares for you. Some of you walked in today and you have a lot of hardship or pain that you're dealing with, something unique, a circumstance, a relationship that's broken. I want you to know the Apostle Paul said that in light of the greatness of what God is preparing for us, when we realize that, we will look back now and understand that all we are doing now can't even be compared to the surpassing greatness of what God has for us then. A better day is coming for those who love the Lord. Some of you are tired and weary. You're like, hey, I qualify for that preschool and elementary lot. I'm tired. (laughs) I'm worn out. Maybe it's something much deeper than that. I have a promise for you. Jesus said, come unto me, all of you who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Some of you are consumed with worry or anxiety. There's something circumstantial in your life. I have a promise for you from the New Testament. Cast all of your cares upon him, for he cares for you. God is able to do all that he's promised to do, to provide the way he's promised to provide. And God is at work in your life. Testing produces growing and that growing produces glory. And that's God's plan for you. And so wherever you are today, I just want you to know the Lord loves you. He's with you. He's for you. Keep on enduring. Don't lose heart. Don't lose faith. Because a big faith is connected and tied to a big God. 